So please welcome to another episode of the Fat Boy Loss Show. Today we are talking with Tara Garrison and we will get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So Tara, welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. I'm really excited to be interviewing you today. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's quite a pleasure to be interviewing uh, you, and, and especially with all of your experience within the uh, the, the marathon world, and uh, you know all of your fitness experience. But you know, on first glance, people get um, maybe the wrong impression about you. And so, can you sort of talk a little bit about that and what um, y- you actually do? <laughs> yeah. Um, first, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And um, uh, I would say probably, I probably get asked almost every single day if I compete in bodybuilding. <laughs> mm. And it's actually kind of funny because I'm a little bit opposed to the sport of bodybuilding. Um, and we can go into that in a minute. But the the truth is that I'm a marathon runner, but I don't look like it at all. I mean, I'm, I'm five, almost five, seven, and I'm 150 pounds. And I'm about usually around anywhere from 12 to 14% body fat. So I definitely don't fit the profile of a marathon runner, but mm. um, it's actually been a pretty profound change. Uh, adding the strength training into my regimen actually changed the game for me in marathon running completely. Like I went from like your everyday skinny fat, kind of overweight mom runner to running the Boston marathon in 2017 because of weightlifting. So wow. it's been a, it's been a really, really cool thing for me to explore. That's really awesome. And, you know, for for those people who may not have watched marathons or, you know, may not have a history of marathon, generally the elite athletes are skinny, like really, really skinny, like mm-hmm. skin and bones, and they just run incredibly fast. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, you know. the race that I actually qualified for Boston, I wish I, I got to find this picture because I, I actually almost won my age group. And in the very oh, wow. last mile, this woman just blew past me and I was like oh please don't be my age (laughs) she was and she was just your typical marathon runner right just so so small like there's no way she was even 100 pounds and so on the little award podium I'm second place and I just look humongous next to her (laughs) and when I looked at that picture I was just like that is awesome because that like actually shows how much you can um that you don't actually have to emaciate yourself as a marathon runner. You can actually train for power and increase your power to weight ratio and be quite fast, even at a heavier body weight. So that's, yeah, it's that's, pretty cool. 
Well, it's, it's really important too because most uh, females in particular try and get down to this sort of race weight uh, and, mm-hmm. and often that can be detrimental to your health. But I guess, uh, you know, stepping back from uh, all of the, the, the marathon because we can get to that definitely in a bit, but can you tell us a little bit about you and sort of what your story was from uh, when you started and where you are now? For sure. Okay, so growing up, I remember like in third grade, it was about when I started getting chubby. And I mean, just to give you an idea, I remember in sixth grade, every single day for lunch, I don't know if you guys have this in Australia, but I would get a honey bun, which is like Mm, a processed food cake with like frosting on cinnamon roll with frosting on it and a Hawaiian punch, a can of Hawaiian punch to wash it down with. So I was on that sugar diet. (laughs) So I was definitely, um, weight was always an issue for me growing up. And, um, I have four kids and after each of my babies, you know, it was always like this struggle to lose the weight, like the typical mom story. Right. And I would always run and run and run to lose the weight and go to like little weight loss classes or not weight loss, little, uh, workout classes at the gym, you know, like what moms do. And, um, after my fourth baby, that just didn't work for me. And I was running all the marathons. I was running 26 mile marathons. Nothing was budging. And, um, I ended up saying, you know what, like these workout classes in the middle of the day are taking up way too much of my time. I'm just going to quit this gym. I'm going to join this little teeny $10 a gym, $10 a month gym down the street. I'm going to put my kids to bed at night and I'm going to go work out there. And I walk into this place and there's like nothing but weights and treadmills, basically, you know, ellipticals. I was like, all right. Well, if I'm going to work out here, I guess I'm going to have to learn how to lift weights. And so little by little, like I kid you not, the first three months that I went there, I asked my friend who was a personal trainer, I was like, how do you work out your arms? (laughs) And she was, she was like, oh, you do these things. And I kid you not, I had it written down on a piece of paper, like push arms out to sides, bend elbow, like I didn't even know know what the exercises were called, you know, like front things, thumbs up. (laughs) And um, I followed that, I followed that for three months, every single day. (laughs) I was too scared. I was like, you know, gym intimidation, they call it gym gym intimidation. It's like a real thing. I was very intimidated. (laughs) There's all these like bodybuilders in there and me this like somewhat Mm. overweight mom, you know? And so I just stayed in my little safe zone, but I I actually started to build some muscle doing that um, for three months. And I was, that gave me the confidence like, Hmm, okay, well maybe everybody starts somewhere. And um, this is like such an embarrassing thing to admit about myself. But one of the things that (laughs) propelled me was there was a guy every night he was there and this sounds so bad, but he just did not strike me as the smartest person in the Mm. world. And he was in Mm. excellent shape. (laughs) And I was like, looking at him, like, if that guy can figure this out, I can figure this out. Exactly. (laughs) It was very inspiring. (laughs) And so um, I just started to slowly uh, develop this hobby for it. And I started looking on bodybuilding.com. And I started researching different exercises in my free time during the day. And little by little, it became this new hobby. And it started to get more and more exciting. And as I got more and more into the lifting, my noticed my body was responding and I was building muscle, but nobody could tell because I still had this layer of fat over it. Mm-hmm. And I after I would say eight months solid. And I always emphasize this because, you know, I work with clients directly now and they're like, I, I haven't gotten any results. I know it's only been a week, 
but (laughs) Um, and so like for eight months solid I felt like I was living the life of a bodybuilder I was in there almost every single day lifting Mm -hmm. and I saw a picture of myself at like a family reunion and I was like I don't look any different at all and Mm -hmm. I was just like that's it I'm going to do whatever I have to do nutritionally. I know that's the piece that's missing. And and I thought I ate healthy, you know. You know how everyone mm. is like, I eat salads mm. and stuff. Yeah. Chicken <laughs> um, salad. But. Yeah. I also eat all those brownies and whatever else I want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I started researching, you know, what people were doing. I Luckily, there was social media and I could follow people and see how they were eating. And I learned about low carb. And so I went low carb. And as a marathon runner, going low carb. I had never heard of keto at this point. Mm. I was just like, I felt like I was being irresponsible. <laughs> I was like, right. I'm, I'm running on nothing. <laughs> um, and I was incorporating fat in my diet because luckily I had a dietitian friend who had, you know, kind of educated me on the importance of healthy fats. Yeah. So I always say I kind of, I think I kind of did accidental keto because I was like, oh, okay, if going low carb makes you lose weight, I'm gonna go real low carb here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes I would, sometimes I would cycle in like sweet potatoes and fruit and stuff, but. For the most part, I was low carb and um, the weight just started coming off really well. And I lost 30 pounds and losing 30 pounds and building muscle, um, that made me quite a faster runner, the combination of both of those things. Mm. And I, um, I happened to run a half marathon with some friends and I just blew my previous PRs out of the water. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm really fast now. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. really fast. Is this, was that a fluke? I was like, I'm going to sign up for a full marathon and see if I can qualify for Boston. Um, I had already had three failed attempts qualifying for Boston. I just kept missing it by nine minutes. I was just stuck. Uh. I could not get any faster than I was. And that's why I love weightlifting and low carb dieting so much because it like on that next race, I, I had three weeks to get ready to go from a half marathon to a full marathon. So I was like, this, I'm crazy. What am I doing? (laughs) This is so dumb. This is good. I'm usually a smarter runner than this. You know, I was like, "Eh, I'm just going to go for it. I qualified for Boston with 17 minutes to spare. I shaved 26 minutes off my marathon time. And it was the best recovery I'd ever had by far. Like I, I ran that on Saturday and I worked out on Monday. I felt so good. So yeah. Yeah. Cause usually after a marathon, your legs are pretty taxed. Totally. Yeah. I was usually out for like a week. So Mm. I couldn't even believe it. I was walking around the finish line, just all happy and feeling great. It was insane. And, um, obviously like there were a lot of mental and emotional changes inside of me during that whole transition too. It was very, very empowering. And Mm. so I, that's, I actually went to college for Spanish. I was going to be a Spanish teacher. I used to teach Spanish and I was like, I love, I actually love teaching. I love teenagers and all of that. But I was like, you know what? This was so impacting. Like think, just think if I could do this for somebody else, you know? Mm. And so that's why I went into personal training and the rest is history. And it's, it's been an amazing journey since then. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, and, and you do mention the, you know, the emotional changes that you went through. Um, What does a healthy mindset look like to you when it comes to losing weight because you know there's there's cravings and there's the sugar and fat addiction is the mindset of micronutrients and self-love and self-control and uh, and is it all about keto or is there you know it does it does it what does it look like for for those people one your clients now uh, and what did that look like for you when you were going through that yeah thank you for bringing that up okay so actually a lady messaged me on instagram a few days ago and was like what would you say you specialize in and i was like hmm okay well i mean beyond we can talk about my my attitudes towards keto my my 
my keto program is called keto in and out and it's about going into and coming out of ketosis. So Mm. you can kind of tell that from my social media, but I was like, you know, I think that I specialize in giving women permission to eat again and um and people i have male clients too but mostly women and this was the biggest thing for me because before i got fit i was just you know doing that same old thing of like trying to reduce portions trying to reduce calories and eventually giving up and having a bunch of m&ms or brownies or something and feeling like how come i can't do this like what's with you know how come these fit people can do this how do they have so much willpower you know and i just always felt so frustrated and then i when i finally figured it out there were a few things that were just completely game changing for me so i always share those with people and the first thing was constantly reminding myself that i could have whatever i wanted to eat there were no restrictions at all and mm-hmm. i would feel those restrictions start to creep in and i'd be like you know, like, and this is a problem that I see with almost everyone. I almost everybody I work with has had some sort of emotional eating or binge eating, or at least episodes of overeating to the point that they feel uncomfortable. And so um, I think this is why they have it is because we get in this restrictive mindset that isn't even real. Like we live in a time of food abundance. Like Mm. if you have enough money to listen to me on a podcast right now, you have enough money to buy all the food you want. Mm, So creating this fake thought in your head of I can't have food I can't have food I can't have food it creates this um it creates this dichotomy inside of you that's very very contradictory to reality and eventually you know that restrictive mindset is going to lead to binging Mm-hmm. Everybody that I've ever talked to that had like even severe binge eating disorders, they talk about how they would just constantly, you know, feel like they were winning, winning, winning if they didn't eat and eventually they would just cave. And so right. for me, I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And I will convince myself, I will every single time I feel that restrictive mindset come in, I will switch it to you can have whatever you want. Do you want those brownies? Have all of them. Have that whole pan. Go drive to the cupcake cupcake shop and have the whole cupcake shop if you want to you can have all of it <laughs> and then the the thought that i always combined with that there were two one was what is that going to do to the inside of my body after i put it in there <laughs> like actually mm. like visualizing what happens after it gets swallowed and goes into my body like what is going to happen what is that going <laughs> to do for my body and that's where like the actual essence of bodybuilding even though i don't love the sport of bodybuilding the essence of bodybuilding building muscle and eating for body composition was really fun for me because it was like oh cool if i eat protein that's going to help me build muscle I want more of that. Oh, if I eat vegetables, that's going to help me detox and help me feel full. That's great. You know, and so that that mindset shift really, really helped. And then the last one was I became like a nutrient hunter. So I was like, how much nutrition can I add in instead of how much can I restrict? Right. And so it was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can have the cupcake or the donut or the pizza. You can have all of it, but get really fill up on the salad first. Like have a bunch of the salad and some of that fruit even, and all of it, everything that adds nutrition, get as much of it as you can, and then go ahead and have that other thing, you know? And usually I found by the time I was full on healthy things. I didn't even want that other thing anymore. Right. And this is the same approach that I take with my kids. You know, I always say like being a mom has helped me with my relationship with my own body because I'm kind of like a mom to myself because I just say, okay, like you can have it because I, I, I'm really, um, I really, I'm really opposed to setting food restrictions on kids. I think it gives mm. them disordered eating patterns. You know, if mm. I walk up to my six-year-old son right now and say, Micah, you can't have donuts 
just randomly <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out of the blue. Guess he what like, he's going to oh, be thinking no. all night long? <laughs> he exactly, didn't even yeah. want donuts before. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. like, I want donuts. You know, this is yeah. what we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I've, one, taught myself not to place arbitrary restrictions on myself like that for no reason um, because it creates this thought. You know, our subconscious just hears donuts, donuts, donuts. <laughs> so we're putting, exactly. or it was, let's say you're going to say, I'm not going to eat sugar. Your subconscious just hears sugar, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, don't, yeah, we don't want to turn ourselves into a raging six-year-old. And then um, the other thing is like this nurturing, it's like the combination of nurturing, but also being like a mom that's like, no, you don't need that right now, right? So I'm constantly trying to nourish myself with good food, just like my mom always did to me. She's always trying to make me eat, you know? Um, and I do that with healthy food now. <laughs> it wasn't always healthy for my mom, um, right. but she did a good job, but, <laughs> you know? Thanks, and then, <laughs> and then, but sometimes, you know, if it's 10 o'clock at night, it's like, you gotta be like, no, you're okay. You don't need mm. food. You're good. <laughs> so it's kind of this motherly relationship I've developed with myself towards eating, and it's just gone so well for me. I mean, I've maintained a pretty lean um, physique for like four or five years now, just keeping that approach. And I never, ever track calories or macros unless someone like asked me to for them. (laughs) I hate doing that. So yeah. Yeah. uh, It's fantastic. You know, like combining all of those things together. So not putting food restrictions on, on things, because you know, the the first thing when people come into a low carb diet is they throw all of the the junk food out of their house because Mm -hmm. they can't deal with it because they don't have that that you know that thing in in line saying um you know maybe this isn't so great for you You, you, there's a certain point where you have to deal with the world because you can't just get rid Mm -hmm. of all of the things you don't want in the world and and (laughs) and so you know when it comes to food uh, for instance my, my partner she she doesn't follow a keto or a low carb diet and so there's there's everything in the house and uh-huh. so what i've i've had to learn to you know um really think about what what i need in that present time and 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 yeah as you said before like thinking about what you're putting in your body and how much of that is going to have a detrimental effect um so yeah it's yeah. it's really interesting and i and i um, there was a photo of you where there was like, um, you know, typical mum on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And then you, after you'd finished uh, third in a 10K run, um, and the the difference in between those two photos, I think you said was 18 months, but it was astonishing <laughs> to yeah. see that there's 18 months between the two people because you, it looks totally different. Um, and I and I remember reading the first comment saying, "Oh, you've definitely got an accept an exceptional le- sorry, you've definitely got an exceptional level of discipline." And and I mm. thought, uh, I don't, Mm-mm. yeah, okay." It's what would you say to someone who thinks of in that way when it comes to what you've done i love that i love that question okay so yeah i get this comment sometimes because i have like muscular arms as a woman and so like people will say stuff to me in stores like i want arms like that but i'm too lazy or i i i want to look like that but i'm just i don't want to you must work really hard and when people tell me you must work really hard i'm always like it it just shocks me for a second because i like don't really know how to even process that thought because it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels like I'm Mm. doing what I love. Mm. And I think that's the key is finding what you love and doing that. And I'm not saying I always loved 
lifting. I didn't. I, uh, my ex-husband, we used to go lift together and bless his heart. I mean, he, he like really tried, but I was just like, I hate this. I just want to go run and be safe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think like probably almost every guy can <laughs> relate yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like as a side note on that, I do think it's because as women, we never lifted. Like, it's not like we went to, you know, football or, you know, some sort of camp where we or gym class where we lifted weights. Like the neurological connection to our muscles is really poor. And I have to watch some of my clients go through that. You know, there is like a level of, there's a, there's a certain starting point where it's like, it's like, do you feel that? And it's like, no, I don't feel that at all. I don't know what, even know what you're talking about. Feel that, (laughs) you know? And so that neurological connection is not there. So that, that did come over time. And once that came, it's like, Ooh, this is awesome. I feel it. You know, I remember the first time I got a pump (laughs) in the gym. If anybody listening doesn't know what that means, it's just like when your muscles get pumped up with blood and they look bigger. And I learned what the word swole meant. I was was like, my arms (laughs) feel really big right now. (laughs) So yeah, it comes, it comes. And now it's, it's just so fun. So I think, um, thinking of it as discipline, I mean, I guess it is, but what it feels like more is that I've incorporated habits and a schedule into my life. And I've created a lot of reward systems around, um, things that give me the results that I want. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, um, like I, I, I'm, pretty new to running my own business, right? Like I, the coach chair Garrison has only been full blown since December. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly looking at ways to optimize. And, um, one of the things that I do for me now going to the gym is a reward. Like I can't wait to go to the gym. Um, and then sometimes I have these work projects that I don't feel like doing. Like maybe I have a new client that has a lot of special, needs and I have to make a, <laughs> a, a meal plan for them that's like really challenging and I'm like oh I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> that's gonna, this is gonna be hard it's gonna take forever <laughs> um and so what I do is the hour before I go to the gym in the morning I'm, I'm I get the thing done that I don't want to do because mm. then I can go to the gym so I've created mm. this reward around it um same thing with the gym um I only listen to the music I love the most when I'm at the gym, I buy workout clothes that I love to wear because then when I go to the gym, I get to wear them. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've created this like, Oh, and also I have three gym memberships. I have the gym I train at and I have two others because they're only like 20 bucks a month. And when I'm in a bodybuilding type mood, I go to the bodybuilding type gym. And when I'm (laughs) in an athletic training type mood, I go to the athletic training type gym. Um, and if I'm sick of both of those, I go to the other one. Right. And so like, I'm, I'm cause I'm a little bit of an environment junkie. So, So um, I think that it's like creating that experience, you know, like people just want to, they feel like it needs to be punishment. Like for me, if you wanted me to do a workout in my living room every day, I would hate that. I would Mm. never do it. I'd be like, I have to push my coffee table over and work out right here. Uh, That's torture to me. That just doesn't sound fun at all. And so Mm. I'm not going to ever choose to make that my exercise modality. So I don't think it's so much discipline as it is finding something that you love and just doing it. Mm, yeah yeah that's that's totally right and it sounds like you know the community is uh, you thrive off that community a lot which is for awesome. sure um and and so i guess uh we can probably talk about marathons now because <laughs> i know the itchy okay. <laughs> but congratulations <laughs> on qualifying for the boston marathon thank you the, the the time for that's like three hours and 40 minutes or, or and, and um 
Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I needed. That's fast, though. Yeah, I needed 335, and I finished in 317. I could not believe it. I mean, I was just on cloud nine. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And uh, and so I guess my first question would be like, uh, what does the community of you know the general running community of just run more and you'll get better at running? Does that is that something that you found um, worked for you, or because you know all of the lifting came as a big success for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before I even became a personal trainer, um, I started an Instagram account all about this very thing you're talking about because I didn't want to bug my friends and family on my regular personal (laughs) account. I was like, they're gonna think I'm so annoying, but I'm so excited about this. I have to tell people, and so um, I started my original Instagram account was called Lift and Run because I wanted to tell people how much lifting was helping my running and how much running was helping my lifting because Mm. I had I now you know that I was like in the gym every day like I had all these bodybuilding type friends and they were like "Ooh, you're gonna lose your gains with all that running right Mm. and um all my running friends were like you don't want to you don't want to get too big you know you don't really want to gain mass because it's going to slow you down and um that was not the case for me and I think it's because also like for women if you don't have a lot of muscle mass and then you gain muscle mass which as a side note it's really hard to gain muscle mass. So sometimes Mm -hmm. women are like, I don't want to get bulky. I'm like, girl, as if (laughs) you have no idea how much work this day. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But getting that muscle mass will make your metabolism so fast, so much faster that you probably Mm -hmm. usually end up losing weight and weighing less as a runner because you lose body fat. Mm. So um, anyway, that that was uh, something that I was kind of, you know, I was kind of trying to show and prove. And I'm not saying that everyone can do that. You know, I do think that I have some genetic advantages that I never knew about before. I mean, I always mm. just thought I was like this somewhat overweight mom, you know. Um, so it wasn't until I actually started allow putting my genes in an environment in which they could express themselves that way um, I found out hey I'm actually a mesomorph and hey I'm actually a pretty powerful runner um, and so and that came through nutrition and training but yeah I would say like to anybody who wants to just run 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 more well I did that for like 20 years and mm. I maxed out at about a 345 marathon um, and no matter what I did, no matter how much I ran, no matter how much sprint work I did, hill work, all of that, it didn't matter. It wasn't until I added in the lifting component and got my nutrition on point with a low carb, high fat diet that everything changed for me. And I do think part of that was because I did become fat adapted and I wasn't dependent on glucose anymore for energy. So it just, it all worked together like so, so beautifully. Mm, yeah, and that's something that's really important to notice as well because in the running community, there's this big notion that you need to carb up before you do your marathons or, you know, you don't want to be running out of glycogen For because, sure. it, you know, you'll get to three quarters throughout the marathon and bonk. Um, yeah. And and for those people who don't know what bonking is, it's not literally the term. It's just running out of en- energy. <laughs> I call it not being able to transition into ketosis. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. And so these people just, you know, fall into a, a white haze of, of uh, you know, energy depletion. I've seen um, it. But, it's horrible. It's yeah. scary. And and people, you know, like they, they do the walking backwards and they just fall over. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really sad to see. But, um, you know, when you switch your fuel tank over to being able to burn fat, um, you essentially have an unlimited fuel tank. And so what was your uh, experience transitioning from? Um, because this is, some, this is tough for some people because what they do is they say, okay, I do want to get faster. I want to get um, healthier. I'm going to go into a low carb state, um, but I've got a marathon coming up in eight weeks. What should I do? Um, 
And so what was that transition for you uh, into into running using a low-carb diet or a ketogenic diet or whatever you were doing at the time? Um, how did that work for you? Because, you know, that can be different for so many people. What was that um, process and how did it look like? Yeah, so I remember, I don't know exactly how long I had been low-carb before I ran my first race, but I know, I, I mean, it was months for sure. Mm. And I do remember... When I was first going low carb, I do remember feeling really low energy a few mornings when I was running and just pushing through that. And I was like, you know, I was probably transitioning into ketosis and didn't even know what that was. Um, And um, I do remember that. But then I remember just, well, losing weight and that makes it easier to run faster. Right. And then all of a sudden Mm. just started feeling really, really good in my runs. Um, But I was never I was never full ketogenic, like even up to the time that I ran you know, ran the race that I qualified for Boston. And I was always like having fruit or sweet potatoes here and there. So it was basically like mm. keto with sweet potatoes and fruit. <laughs> mm. yeah. um, and uh, that after that, that was right after that was when I found keto. And I decided I wanted to train for and run Boston in ketosis. And um, I ran all the way up to 18 miles in that training in ketosis. And for the most part, I felt amazing on all those runs. I just used exogenous ketones as my fuel. Um, definitely better with digestion. I mean, the goose, I definitely did that carb loading oh, yeah. life, like for sure. Yep. The week before races, <laughs> I like almost would only eat rice, you know, it was like no, right. low protein, low fat, just mm. glycogen, glycogen. I mean, it was just over the top and ridiculous, you know, and I would um, have Gatorade and goose all through the race and my stomach would feel horrible and it just was awful. Um, and so then running with just ketones, I mean, I just, I felt like, I just felt like a superhuman, you know, I felt like nothing could stop me. I just felt so free and fast and not dependent on anything. Um, I actually had to stop running for six weeks before the race because I had pulled a hamstring a little bit from when I was qualifying because I was running out of my mind fast and I was overstriding. I was like, I'm so fast. (laughs) (laughs) So that was just starting to bug me too much. So I stopped running six weeks before Boston. So Mm -hmm. I was deep in ketosis when I ran Boston. It was a really rough experience for me, but I don't think it was keto. I think it was that I had run for for six weeks before the race um and i also made the huge mistake if anybody hears this out there don't be as dumb as me because (laughs) i didn't even check the boston website to see if you could bring a camel pack or not and so i had this camel pack full of exogenous ketones and i go to get on the bus and the guy's like no you can't bring that (laughs) i was like no (laughs) (laughs) i had like my nut butters and my ketones i was like no so i just had to use like gatorade during the race and you know i did my best but it wasn't like the best experience ever so i would like kind of like to do another race experience in ketosis um right now i'm actually training to qualify for new york marathon in 2020 um and actually just as a side note people are like do you really need to qualify for that one and no you don't you can there's a lottery and you can also do the charity route but i i qualified for it before and i didn't run it and i just want to do it again because that's just how i am um but new york is actually harder to qualify for than boston it's a little bit faster wow so wow. yeah, I have to beat. I think it's like a something like a seven oh eight, seven ten, or something like that pace for a half marathon, and then I can qualify. So I, I'm I'm toying with the idea of maybe running that race in ketosis. We'll see when the time comes. 
yeah that's 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 insanely fast for running um in in that sort of you know fat burning state uh and uh i've interviewed zach bitter before who holds the 100 mile ultra distance he he, he holds the world record for that um and he says what he does is he gets fat adapted until a certain point and then he uses um fuel to top up his glycogen tank so that he can burn both of them at the same time i like Uh, it and i guess that's sort of like being metabolically flexible i guess that's my thing Um, i love it yeah and so that that's probably a good transition into talking a little bit about um you know the in and out of of keto and and you know how do you sort of describe that to people because a lot of people they say you know, oh, you need to be keto for the rest of your life, and mm-hmm. and you can't do this. Uh, or, or in the on the flip side, it's like, how can you live this life forever? And you go, uh, I'm just doing what I feel is good yeah. right now. Right. Uh, right. And so, you know, how would you explain that to someone? Yeah, for sure. So, like, my kind of my tagline is "Do keto, not forever." But then I always have mm. to follow it up with like, unless you're using it therapeutically, like, keep going, please. Right. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want any like type two diabetics to be like, she said to stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but. So this is how I explain it. Like if we, I all, with every piece of health advice that I hear and like, I, I'm nerdy. I really dive deep on health. I, I mean, I am obsessed. I listen to every podcast. I've done tons of certifications and courses and conferences and I've hired mentors and I, you know, I, I go pretty deep on stuff and um, the longer I'm in this, the more I'm like, we don't know anything. <laughs> mm. We're still learning all the time. I'm like, until we can like make a human body, we don't understand it completely. Yeah. <laughs> and so whenever I hear health advice, I always look at it from an ancestral perspective. That's just me. And so like, mm. like for example, cold showers are kind of the rage mm. right now. And I, when I heard the cold shower recommendation and I've done cold plunges and cold therapy, I, I'm a big fan of cryotherapy and all that. And I, I was thinking about cold showers and I was like, does that make sense? If, civilization wasn't what it was and we were just out in the wild would i be getting in cold water yes i'm doing it i'm in (laughs) and so i do cold showers every day and that's another topic for another time but i really feel that it has done something to me i live in utah and it's very very cold here in the winters we're out in the rocky mountains and i'm usually really really cold i mean i'm pretty low body fat and i just like kind of hate the winters usually this winter since doing cold showers every day and they say that it will increase your um brown fat which is like mitochondrial dense fat that's thermoactive and keeps us warm Mm. i have been i cruised around this whole winter in like a tank top and shorts and like old people would be like (laughs) did you know what did you forget your coat (laughs) i was like no i I like it now (laughs) it's weird so anyway um this is how i think about keto so I think of it this way. I'm like, okay, if we were just like wandering around, we might find like some food and we would eat it, whatever it was. Like we would eat an animal or we would eat fruit or we would eat potatoes, resistant starch. We would eat whatever we found and we would be so active that eventually we would run out of whatever we ate. And it's not like we would be like, you know, munching on zingers and chips in between our meals. We would run out of that fuel and our bodies would just naturally transition into ketosis and use the stored fat that we have from whatever time we had in abundance at one point. Right. Mm. And so that should be the natural, that's metabolic flexibility. That's the natural in and out that our bodies are supposed to do. And that's why I like keto because I'll be honest with you on, on a ketogenic diet for me, myself, I actually gained body fat. I gained mm. 10 solid pounds of fat, and this was DEXA scanned. 
Um, I did keto for just over a year and I, I gained fat and my performance went down a little bit. I actually did lose muscle. I'm not saying I did, you know, I, I was pretty dang strict. I was a keto coach, you know, um, but I, yeah, that, that was my experience. And I've done some DNA testing since then. That's been really interesting, um, that have pointed towards like not being on a ketogenic diet, not having a high saturated fat intake, um, just for some gene polymorphisms that I have. And, mm. um, my, and my blood work too, like my cholesterol, my LDL did go up as well. And mm. after a year of keto, I went transitioned back into just low carb, high fat. And so like not a lot of carbs, like I'm talking less than a hundred grams, like maybe having some sweet potato or some little mini organic potatoes or some berries, you know, like pretty mm. low carb, high fat. So once I started bringing those carbs back in though, I went back down from 18% body fat, which was just kind of where I was stuck on keto down to 12, 13, 14, like almost effortlessly just doing the same training program, everything the same, except bringing right. carbs back in. So like, that's oh, why that's even though I'm a keto coach and I love what keto does for people, mm. I think everyone should go through a phase of the ketogenic diet for two reasons. One, to find out if it's a good fit for you, because for some people, I do think it's a good long-term fit for their genes mm. and for their lifestyle and for their body composition and all of it. Um, some of us are more prone to inflammation naturally, genetically than others. Keto might make you feel way amazing. Um, mm. And I also think that even if you, it's not a forever lifestyle for you, going through a phase of keto will teach your body how to use fat for fuel again. So you're not like bonking, like just like that marathon runner who bonks. We do that all day if we're not fat adapted. We mm. will, that's why you get hangry and shaky between meals. So like I always tell people, I'm like, you don't have to be like that. Like you don't have to get hangry. I can't even remember the last time I got hangry. I feel like I can go forever without eating. Like sometimes, yeah, I might, I'm like, man, I'm really hungry and I can't wait to eat because I haven't eaten in like 10 hours because <laughs> I can do that now because I'm fat adapted. I'm not mm. like, I'm going to kill somebody or I'm going to yell at the guy next to me <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> cut somebody off in traffic because I need food yeah. so bad. <laughs> so yeah. that's the beauty of being fat adapted and be able, being able to easily tap into your fat stores for fuel. And then like weight loss isn't so hard either. Um, you can e eventually eat more carbs and not gain as much body fat. So that's why I'm such a huge fan of keto for that reason. That's why I specialize and teach people how to go into ketosis. It's like, find out if it's a good fit for you. And even if it's not, it's going to do you some huge favors for your metabolism. Mm, yeah, that's it's so interesting what you were talking about, how that you actually gained fat when you were on uh, the ketogenic diet. And I actually found the exact same thing. Hmm. Um, and so post-marathon, where I was doing <clears throat> like a pretty strict ketogenic diet for about 12 weeks, uh, I got up to 25% body fat. And that was the highest I'd ever, ever been hmm. but with a DEXA scan. Um, and, you know, over the course of, you, you know, six months from then I've come back down to about 17 uh, and manipulating protein in a different way um, but it, yeah it's it's really interesting how for some people and I think specifically people who are very active mm -hmm. sometimes a really really high fat diet doesn't uh, doesn't translate well uh, and uh, you know this this might just be for uh, you and me but you know I, I've seen other people do have the exact same thing uh, and so yeah I mean Working out whether it's the right thing for you and in your lifestyle is the most important thing. And so don't disregard uh, 
the the ketogenic diet or don't disregard being able to add more carbs back in because you may have a a better insulin sensitivity to Mm -hmm. some other people and so there's this 20 gram limit that runs around all the time uh, and and that is actually a huge sliding scale for some people Mm -hmm. because you can actually utilize more than you uh, than you think sometimes and for some people and so that's that's always something good to play around with them yeah and it's really interesting to 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 find that you had a similar experience because i was very weirded out by it you know you think that eating a high fat diet your body's ingesting fat but it's also burning that fat at the same time because you're so low carb that the insulin is not being spiked so how can you not burn fat and you're going through 3,000 calories running you know in your training runs but for some reason it just adds it back to the to the fuel system or to the storage system and and it's it's very strange so um yeah i'd be really really interested to like delve into science in into that but it's it's very hard i know stephen finney and um jeff volick do a lot of the low carb um you know exercise science but i don't know whether they've delved too much into that aspect of it maybe that's for another podcast yeah you should actually i don't know if you've already had sean wells on your podcast but i he's really 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 smart with the keto science um and he was we were just talking about this yesterday and he was talking about you know the possibility of becoming insulin resistant from being keto for too long right, <laughs> right? Ah, and so and, and another another so that would yeah have you had sean on no, I haven't. Okay, heard. I'll have to connect I, I you to him. He's amazing. Heard, I haven't even he's, heard of him. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he's he's brilliant. Um, right. And another thing is that I was listening to Charles Poliquin. Are you familiar? Yeah, with Charles. Yep. So um, he passed like last year, but um, I was listening to a podcast with him yesterday morning. Um, that and he was talking about carbs with people who are very low body fat already, and that mm. from a performance perspective, a lot of people who are already really low body fat they will require a little bit more carbohydrate from a performance perspective. Um, mm. So that I was like, well, that makes sense for me. That's how I feel, you know. So right, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, um, and I think that you know, it's uh, the it's it's hard to do as you know as people who are uh, advising on the ketogenic diet uh, it's really hard to see um, you know increasing carbs in a diet actually helps <laughs> and you go oh <laughs> this is yeah. interesting but yeah there's 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 all of those uh, you know uh, I, I guess it's a much more advanced topic uh, for most people and and uh, and you know if you do go go down that realm then uh, there's a lot of people out there who can you know step in with that like sean wells and charles poliquin yes. um but you know so, so towards the end of the the podcast i like to ask some quick questions and these are sort of like rapid fire you know things you can't do and do without um and so <laughs> the first question is do you have a food that you cannot do without you know this is like so embarrassing because <laughs> it's like it's probably rotisserie chickens those oh. things save my life oh, i yes. eat them all the time because you know it's like busy when i'm busy it's just like oh it's so delicious it's warm and ready for you it's like mom yep. cooked you dinner so yeah i eat those all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good answer and i think uh, you know especially being a mom with four kids and they're like yeah. oh, what's for dinner it's like well this is for lunch <laughs> they say that so. all the time. they're like why do we always have chicken i'm like because <laughs> it's food just eat it because <laughs> it's awesome yeah <laughs> and uh, and on the flip side are there any foods that you dislike that anyone else uh, might like um I feel I, I thought about this and I <laughs> I feel like I've come a long way because I used to really, really hate 
seafood in every shape or form, like shrimp, fish, all that would not touch it my whole life. And finally, as an adult, I realized, hey, that stuff's really good for you. So get over it. And so I kept like forcing myself to, ch- I started at nice restaurants. I was like, okay, anytime I go to yep. a nice restaurant, I'm going to get fish because they will make it taste good. And mm. I slowly worked my way and now I love all seafood. So I, I would say seafood used to be the only food I didn't like, but now I love that too. I eat all of it, it's even oh, like that's... snail, like all of it, octopus. It's awesome. So I've come a long way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And it's a good tactic to, you know, target the well, the, the well done restaurants to, yeah. to actually start with that sort of type of food. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and so what is your most effective lifting exercise? What is something that, uh, you know, you uh, give to your clients or something that you find particularly effective for you? Um, I would say I actually just did a post about this the other day. Um, split squats. So split squats are those exercises that everybody loves to hate. I love split squats. They do. They hurt. They're hard. But I um, there's some research out there that shows that you can get just as much benefit from split squats as um, traditional barbell back squats. Um, and I like them better because you're working unilaterally, you know, we're not like hopping around on two feet all day. So mm. I like to train unilaterally quite often. Um, mm. and I find that I get better like glute and hamstring engagement with those. And, um, yeah, I'm just a big fan of those all around. They're, they're functional. Um, and another thing is like, I train legs a lot and I like to do that because you get a bigger hormone, the bigger muscle groups you work, the more hormonal response you're going to get. Right. So, um, I do encourage, especially my, my ladies. Um, if you look at my Instagram again, you can see like some before and afters of my legs, like my legs used to be my, by far, my worst feature. I mean, I had people tell me like, oh shoot, <laughs> like, you know, like really honest friends, like, yeah, that's a tough one. Oh. You know, um, <laughs> and you can look at the pictures and then now like, it's crazy. I get compliments on my legs all the time and it is just the weirdest, craziest thing to experience. And that is the beauty of lifting weight. So yeah, I'm like a huge, huge, huge advocate of lifting, especially for women, because it gave me everything I wanted. It gave me food freedom. It gave me a nice, like aesthetic look. And it also gave me like, it got me to the Boston marathon again. It made my dreams come true. Right. And I can eat food now. Like I eat a lot. So anyway, Mm. I love, love lifting. And, and so for those people listening at home uh, who may not know what a split squat is, can you sort of oh, yeah. describe that? Is that where you put a foot up on a bench behind you or is that a bit different? Yes, that is, that's a rear foot elevated split squat. So that's the most advanced right. version. Um, oh, and okay. so the way to start it first, you would just be like half kneeling. So one knee would be on the ground and then the other foot would be in front of you. Um, yep. So that would be the first way to start a split squat. And then you would advance, yes, to the one where your foot is elevated on the bench behind you. And then you can add weight. I mean, you can get gangster on these things. Like um, Mike Boyle, I have his certified functional strength coach certification. And he has these athletes like wearing weighted vests and holding like 100 pound dumbbells in each hand oh doing these split squats. <laughs> like it's amazing. It's like military camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like goals. I'll stick with my 40s. I thought I was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, um, and, and so, you know, uh, vice versa for running, do you have any, uh, you know, effective running exercises? So, you know, lifting obviously is a huge component for running for you, but are there any particular 
running exercises that you think uh, helps build that endurance capacity as well? Yes. Thank you for asking that. Um, I love to share this. So I used to run and run and run and run and run. You know, it's almost like a, I feel like a badge of honor for runners to be like, yeah, I run 70 miles a week. Oh, I run 100 miles a week. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I run like, 18. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um, and so what really helped me was like when I backed off all that mileage, um, I started actually running three, sometimes four, but usually like three days a week when I got fast. So backed way off on the mileage. And so one of those midweek runs, I would do sprint intervals and I really pushed myself. And one thing I love to share is that like after the sprint interval, you want to walk so bad, like you want to mm, stop. Yeah. And I wouldn't let myself, I would force my body to slowly turn transition back into my regular pace and I swear that made me such a stronger runner so that's a little tip and then on the other midweek run I would do hills um so I get stronger on the hills and then never mm. ever miss a long run right on the weekends I always tell everybody that right. I'm like don't you dare miss those long runs <laughs> it's gonna get you um but and then I would just I spent more time strength training and doing athletic style training so like circuits high intensity intervals sprints plyometrics like box jumps anything to make me more powerful that's what I do a lot of now I do a lot of ladder drills um because they make my feet quick and that I want a quicker cadence. You don't want your feet like trudging into the ground when you're running. That's a lot of wear and tear in your body. You want your feet to barely touch the ground, right? The less mm. time on the ground, the better, the easier on your body. Um, and so I train for quick feet. I train for quickness and strength and power. And that has made the biggest difference. I mean, I run now, like my runs typically are around like a seven to maybe a seven, 10, 7, 15 pace on like a, you know, average three, four or five mile run. And I used to run like 10 or 11 minute miles. And this, right. this, yeah. I mean, after my kids and stuff, I was like 11 minute mile, 10 minute mile. So this kind of training, this, that's where it got me. So, I mean, it, it really works. Oh, that's really interesting. I actually used a similar training, you know, um, sort of ideology when I was training for the marathon where you do sprints Monday, cool. <laughs> um, like a tempo run Wednesday. And I guess that could nice. just be hills as well. And then that long run on the weekends Awesome. and then sort of that supplemental exercise either side. Um, yeah, crazy. We That's must awesome. have similar genetic like <laughs> preferences yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. We both hate doing long runs all the time, every single day. That's bad. Yes, that is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so do you have any books or podcasts that have recently inspired you? I know that you were talking about some of the podcasts before that you have been researching and, um, you know, you sound like someone who's done a lot of research. Is there anyone, uh, you know, is there any one book or maybe podcast that people can sort of start to dive into for that for that knowledge, I guess? Yes, I would say, so for mindset across the board, the book that I like, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, the the book Mindset by Carol Dweck was the first one that I read that really, um, it, she talks about having a growth mindset versus a fixed yep. mindset. That's a great book. And then The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz changed my life. Um, really, really eliminated a lot of unnecessary mental suffering. <laughs> it completely mm. changed my brain space. And then as far as podcasts go, I love Ed Milet. He is awesome. <laughs> so if you Ooh. like like somebody who's just going to tell, tell it to you straight and help you become a better entrepreneur and person and just be more developed in your discipline and your mindset, Ed Milet all the way. Mm, cool. And and uh, Ed Milet, he's does his podcast have a name or is it just his I name? I think it's just Ed Milet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll link it in the okay. show notes of this, of this podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I was a musician for 
uh, a lot of my life. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I do like hearing people's music taste. Okay. <laughs> Just so you know. Uh, and, and so do you have any favorite musicians or any playlists that get you going? Is there, is there anything that comes to mind there? Yeah. I mean, in the gym, I'm like all over the place. I, I do have a degree in Spanish. So I kind of have this little place in my heart for like Latin music. Um, yeah. And I mean, it can even get like borderline cheesy sometimes, like like Sean <laughs> Paul and stuff. I mean, yeah. it's bad. So it's like if it makes me want to dance, it makes me want to work out or run, right? So right, right. I'm just a beat junkie. Um, as yeah. far as like my personal time, like if I'm just you know working at home, I love like stick figure or dirty heads or hippie sabotage or like any any sort of, um, I guess like reggae type sounds. I'm I'm a big fan of those too. Ah, oh, damn. Okay, so. Um, here in Australia, we're pretty close to New Zealand, and they have some of the best reggae oh, in the yeah. world, almost. Uh, and so, if you haven't already, check out Fat, Fr- Fat Freddy's Drop Ooh, um, I haven't. and the Black Seeds. I'll send them to you. Okay, They're really good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, my sort of my ex husband is Samoan, so I I mean I forever was listening to all like the Polynesian reggae. I love that stuff. So, oh right, yes, yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Cool. <laughs> um, and so. Uh, to those who want to achieve similar results that you've achieved, um, what is the most important aspect or what is the lead domino um, f- for those people trying to achieve the same results? It's sort of like this big overarching question for the podcast. And, and uh, I- if there was just one thing that people could take away from it, what would that be? Choose your thoughts with intention. We're not, our thoughts don't dominate us. We choose them. And so like just being, and I guess this is where meditation comes in, but um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of meditation because it teaches you to just watch where your thoughts go and be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's honestly what has really, really changed my life. Like we didn't really get into like <laughs> all that side of my life. I've gone through like a lot of personal changes, um, but that is definitely what got me there was like choosing my thoughts with intention, intention all the way, intention and lifting <laughs> as well. You know, mm-hmm. having that intention, you could do the same exercise and just go through the motions and you're not going to grow. And it's the same with our lives and our thoughts. Like if we just go through the motions and we're just mindlessly going through everything, we're not going to grow. So yeah, I would say choosing our thoughts with intention. Mm, I really love that. And I think being mindful of, of, uh, you know, being present in life is, is such a great thing, you know, cause we've only got one of them may as well do yeah, it well. You know? <laughs> absolutely. And, and so where can people find you? Uh, where can people get in contact with you? Where can people maybe, uh, you know, start one of your courses or maybe get in contact with you and ask some questions is there a central place and where are all the your uh, social media accounts located yes. yes there is very a very central place and that is the land of instagram i <laughs> i definitely am on instagram the most um so if you want yep. to know my the insides and outs of my life follow my stories on instagram i'm pretty active on there and it's just coach tara garrison it's t-a-r-a and then garrison has two r's and then there's a link in my instagram account to my website but if you want to go there directly it's coachtaragarrison.com and that has every like if you want to work with me directly or if you want to buy one of my programs everything is on there um and then i also have a youtube channel that i'm building and very excited about i have an app coming out i guess i can drop the name although the content isn't quite all filled in yet but it's the coach tara app um and that's all going along with along with my keto in and out program which is basically designed to teach people how to have metabolic flexibility so to how to go into ketosis how to train while you're in ketosis and how to come out and how to train when you come out so that's me i love it 
I love it. And, uh, you know, for anyone who's listening and has Instagram, drop uh, Tara a message and say, I want you back on the Fat for Weight Loss show because this was really great. I had, <laughs> I had, yeah. a, had, had a great time on this podcast and I wanted to just, um, you know, thank you from me and my listeners. Uh, thank you for coming on and, uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.